We have an app. Sermon Audio app. One Church Sermon Audio. And also on our website. You're going to get all the, the recorded messages on our website, littlesandybaptist.com. And so if you want to get that, that is available to you. If you're turning, tuning in online, we're in or via live stream John chapter 14, the first three verses. First three verses, John chapter 14. If you're following along, Encourage you to be back out this evening, if you would there, please. Five o'clock for choir, six o'clock for the evening service. We will talk about second commandment, the worshiping of our Lord. That'll be in tonight's service. John 14, chapter 1. Let not your, verse 1, John 14, 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He will raise a blessing to the reading of his words. Pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, as we think about the songs we have sung, we're marching to Zion, uh, according to thy loving kindness, help us, Lord, to serve you with, because of what you have done for us. Take our lives and let them be yielded unto you. And when we do that, we can say, it is well with our soul. And Lord, now as we look into your words, the next few moments, may we be able to put aside the busyness of this Thanksgiving week. We want to give you praise. Come, you thankful people, come. We are thankful this morning, most of all, for salvation in Christ. The home prepared for us is all by your marvelous grace. Nothing good in me you're ever going to find. But Lord, your marvelous grace saved my soul. I pray, Lord, if there be even one person this morning under the sound of my voice, whether in person or listening online, that they do not know you as personal Savior, they've never received you. May, to, may today be the day of salvation for them. May they understand perhaps for the very first time or having heard the gospel numerous times, but may today be the day when they decide to repent of their sin and receive you as their personal Savior. That is our, that is our desire. We are ambassadors to see others reconciled to you. May that be our heart's cry this day and the days going ahead. And I ask all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Two weeks ago, we talked about, by the way, before I even get that far, I want to thank Brother Bud for preaching last Sunday. I appreciate you, Brother Bud, for being speaking in both services last Sunday. I appreciate that so very much. Two weeks ago, we talked about the rapture of the church, the snatching away, if you would, of, of God's people. We believe that Jesus is going to come back, take his children home to be with him. But it says right here, I go to prepare a place for you, and, I, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. We believe, along with 1 Thessalonians, 1 Corinthians, that this talks about Jesus coming back for his church, those who know Christ as personal Savior. It's not just Baptist churches or any other type of denominational. It's those who know Christ as very own personal Lord and Savior. That's those who will go up with him, I believe, in the air. There's going to be a meeting in the air and sweet, sweet by and by. Others would say, no, that Christ is going to come only but once, and he's going to come all the way to the earth, and those would be other views of eschatology end time things. I believe the Bible, if you take it literally, just as it reads, he is coming back for his church and then he will come back with his saints later on at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the battle of Armageddon. That will be at least seven years from this very moment. At least seven years of history will have to go before he comes back for the battle of Armageddon. But what has to happen before he comes back for his church? Absolutely nothing. Perhaps even while I'm preaching, the Lord will come back and those who know Christ will all zoom up together. It will be a marvelous thing. Four points this morning. First of all, the discouragement considered. Let not your heart be troubled. Troubled means agitated, stirred, grieved, or sorrowful. 
It is angst. We were down with our daughter and son-in-law and her two corgis last couple last weekend, and the older corgi Dylan has met the younger cor- corgi Gwendolyn, and every time she gets near him, he growls because she has frustrated him to no end, and his automatic response is row 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 because she has done that to him so much, and it's that agitation. When she gets near, he gets agitated, troubled, stirred, grieved, and these men were grieved. Why? Their master was troubled in spirit. Why? Their number might, one of their numbers going to betray him. That would be Judas. Why were they troubled? He's only going to remain a little while. Why are they troubled? Peter's going to deny him. They are troubled in spirit. The master is leaving, but Jesus gives them comfort. If I were to ask you this morning, if a, as a loved one who knows Christ as personal Savior goes on to glory, what passages come to mind? Well, the first thing probably is Psalm 23 Next may come these verses here. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. These are so important. It's, it's one of the key passages in the book of John that is so well known. The Gospel of John written by the disciple John, James and John. He wrote five books in our New Testament. The Holy Spirit's inspiration, obviously. John, first and second, third John, and the book of the Revelation. This is that John. He is the Longest lasting of the 12 disciples, written 85 to 95 AD, well after the destruction of Jerusalem. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are considered the synoptic, the see together gospels because their information is so similar. I think it is Mark has 73% of Mark is in Luke. And so we find they're, they're, they're similar in information. John, however, writes looking further back, 85 to 95 AD, and he writes his gospel A lot of his is not covered anywhere else in the other three previous synoptic gospels. That's where John is coming from. This discouragement, he remembers it well. I imagine that Christ is leaving them. What's going to happen? They've been following him closely for three and a half years, but he's going to leave. What are we going to do now? You might hear people say when someone passes, well, everything's going to be all right. I tell you, everything will be all right if you continue on the statement let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, if you're a truly born-again child of God, your destination is heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a wonderful time it's going to be. Heaven is where God dwells. It is his place. This idea that people can go on to heaven and heaven is what they make it to be is so erroneous. It's where God dwells. There's going to be the New Jerusalem, which people think that the New Jerusalem is heaven. It's part of heaven, not all of heaven. It's going to come down from God out of heaven eventually and land on the new earth. And that's where he's going to dwell from, the New Jerusalem. 1,500 miles, miles, and miles. Can you imagine 1,500 miles cubed? How many people can fit in there? Every single born-again believer from all the ages, I believe, will be in that new Jerusalem. You can imagine, 15, it's like from here to what, Iowa, somewhere in there even further, and then up, the, up toward the, the boundary waters in Minnesota, and then 1,500 miles, I can't even remember, I can't even fathom 1,500 miles high. That's the new Jerusalem, going to be on the new earth where God's going to be ruling. So they're discouraged God, Christ, gives them comfort. Secondly, the deity is claimed, again in verse 1, ye believe in God, believe also in me. Now there's a little bit of a a, a decision to make, whether this word believe is indicative, just telling us, ye believe in God, it's what you do, or it's imperative. Now we know imperatives. Our cat 
the wild thing, IT, we sit downstairs and we're going through a painting downstairs and so everything's right in the middle and we, we clear off a space for us to eat, two people there, and he thinks it should be three people at the table. And so he comes along and he jumps up and he jumps on the, kit, on the dining room table. If my dad would see me now, he would, he would be like, he'd be so disappointed. And so Stephanie says, you get down. I said, now, now, Ivan, just if you want to get off the table, you may get off the table. And he, he'll hop down. But we, we find in, I'm not sure what I got into that there. But it's, oh, imperative. Hers was, get down. Mine's, now, if you, if you want to get down, you can get down. If you want. See, that's, that's the, I believe in God. You believe in God? Or believe in God, believe in me. And my, I would say, I like that. But if you want to go to heaven, if you want eternal life, you must believe in God. And Jesus, by the way, is God of God. And he died for our sins. By the way, if God did not die for your sins, you have no Savior. But he was God who died for us. The, New, the Baptist New Testament commentary says the word believe means to place one's faith in or believe strongly enough to produce a desire to give oneself to something the same word with the same meaning is used both times in this verse, believe. And by the way, at the invitation time, I'm not asking you to t- take some little mamby-pamby thing and make that part of your life. I'm telling you to become a child of God. You take up your cross and follow Jesus. It's not the some little easy thing that I'm signing on for. I'm going to add it to my basket of how ways I might be able to get to heaven. Well, i got this and this, good works, giving to the church, behaving, being a good moral person. No, there's but one way. Read verse 6 of the same chapter. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You must come to Him by faith. If I could be saved for you, I would. I cannot. It's a personal decision. You must receive Christ for yourself. He points to himself, really, trust God, trust me. Now, trust goes far greater, deeper than belief. Belief could be cold and intellectual. Trust is warm and personal. He challenges us to render to him the same response we give to God. From what I understand in the Greek, you'd almost say it this way if you're reading in Greek, trust in God and me, also trust. Trust in God and me, also trust. On both ends are trusting, and God and he are one and the same. There is not one particle difference between the two. Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Can I explain the Trinity to you for your thorough understanding? No, but it's taught in Scripture, clear as day. Just read it in Hebrews chapter 9, about verse 14 Clearly, the Father, the Son, and Spirit are three persons, but one God, Elohim, uniplural, one God, three persons, the Father, Son, and Spirit, working together in seamless harmony, except there was three hours, about 2,000 years ago, there was three hours when the Father had to reject the Son, because your sin, my sin was on the Son, and they could not have that fellowship they had from eternity past. There's a new, there's a new peace We sang earlier, when sorrows like sea billows roll, there's going to be a new peace, disciples. I'm going to come again for you. The disciples were about to face the three darkest days in the history of our planet. The props and the anchors that had sustained them for for three and a half years, the familiar landmarks, the guiding lights, if you were, were going to be swept away. Christ is going to be in a tomb for three days. They're going, to, they're going to divide it. And when he was captured or arrested, 
But Judas Iscariot, they fled every which way but yon, leaving him. He says, believe, trust in me. So the discouragement is considered. The deity is claimed. And in verse 2, the dwelling is clarified in my father's house. In John 17 to 13, the word father is used 53 times. In those four chapters alone, 13, 14, 15, five chapters alone, 53 times. It is home for God's children in my father's house. Some years ago, a London newspaper held a contest to determine the best definition of the word home. The winning entry was this. Home is the place where you are treated the best and complain the most. Home is the place where you're treated the best and complain the most. Someone said, the magic thing about home is that it feels good to leave and feels even better to come back. And perhaps a parent to a wayward child said this, and this was a little bit heart-grabbing. I left the light on in my heart in case you ever wanted to come back again. I left the light on in my heart in case you ever wanted to come back again. Robert Frost said this. He said, home is the place that when you arrive there, they have to take you in. Home's the place where you arrive there, they've got to take you in. I'm telling you, he's going to take us in as his children, but not because he has to in, in that regard, because he wants to. We have received him as personal Savior. He has saved our souls. The Old Testament really had little to say about heaven, if you would. There was paradise. There was Abraham's bosom, I believe, personally believe, in Old Testament times. What we call heaven was in the center of this earth. There was the two form of, we call it Sheol or Hades. There was the happy side of Hades. And then there was the negative side of Hades, still there today. Where would I get that from? Abraham's bosom. If you remember the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom, happy. The rich man was in punishment. And there was a great what? Gulf fixed between the two. And they could not pass I personally believe from Scripture that when Christ died, he led captivity captive and took those on the happy side of Hades up to heaven to be with him. So now all that is in the center of our earth and what we call hell today are those who don't know Christ as personal Savior. And they're waiting to stand before God. By the way, we're going to stand before God. The chance of your child or grandchild becoming a professional athlete is like 0.0296 percent of that your child's become become a professional athlete the chance your child or grandchild standing for god a hundred percent he's standing before god now which is more important i'm not boohooing sports i enjoy sports knowing what who god is and and serving him or working tirelessly to get your child to some academic or something i'm just asking what are we preparing our children for and grandchildren in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. The word mansions comes from a Greek word that really means a staying, abiding, or dwelling place. I'll just tell you from the get-go. In 1604 to 1611. Now, why do I say that? Because the King James translators began about 1604 commissioned, and finally by 1611, they finally had the final copy to where they started printing that, 1611. That's why we call it that. In that era, the word mansion meant room. So in my father's house are many mansions, what they would assume would be rooms. In our day and age, though, we, we look at, I just looked yesterday at the, at the Ross or whatever it is, the uh, realty sign and saw all these big houses. Wow. And houses are so a million dollars in our area. There's some houses over a, well over a million dollars in our area. And I, I call those a what? A mansion. And some of them are on a hilltop. They are. 
And this, and the, when the translators were rendering this in 1611, it meant rooms. I'm not trying to boohoo. If you like the song, I, 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 I'm, I'm saying I found, I found a mansion. I want a mansion all, all different times this week. But what I'm saying is, in that era, and, and really fitting more with Scripture, what the Father is doing, what does it say? What does the Bible say? In my Father's house. In my Father's house. Now, I've always thought, well, Oh, I can't wait. If for, man, if I serve the Lord, I get up to heaven, I'm going to have like a 5,600 square foot mansion. I'm going to have a piano room. I'm going to have five bedrooms, 10 bathrooms. I'm going to have a special place, a library that goes the entire to. I'm Whoa! And when you come to visit me, I'll say, hey, Sue, look at, look at. And that stands in contradistinction to what the Bible says. I'm going to my father's house in my father's house are many mansions or rooms or places he's prepared for us in the oriental time i'm I'm getting off my notes i hope i can hang in in the oriental time i'm combining them all together they would prepare rooms if i'm getting married i'm gonna make a room for greg and family my dad says a greg and his wife and family oh tim's gonna get married i'm gonna make a room for tim and his family and then they have grandchildren well we're gonna make more room for the grandkids and and more room for the grandkids and they have great they added on. It's like the Oriental palaces. There were room for the heirs. There were room for the possible heirs. And then there were room for family. My mother-in-law would love this. The intimacy of heaven is, in my father's house are many mansions. And we're all going to be there together. This idea of a tract of, of mansions, mansions, Seville Row mansions with, who's got the biggest one? I, I see way down there. I, I see Jim Ellis. My goodness, he's got flashing lights on his mansion. And he would say, stop that. If you were here, you probably is witnessing to, or he and the Alka Indians probably up there in heaven have a grandiose time. I just read this week, Mr. Stevens showed me from a pastor in the area that the people that Paul martyred cheered when he came into heaven. The people Paul martyred cheered when he got into heaven. We have such, sometimes, we've taken songs or poems or things and we've gotten the wrong idea about what God's... In my Father's house. Is it not about God? Is it not about when we get to heaven, it's not going to be Pastor Tim's Phoenix bass boat with a 500 horsepower motor on it that can just like, can go through the entire lake in two Point three minutes until he hits a log and goes up in the air and he's toast. It's not about that. It's not about your Browning. Was it Barrett? What's it like the most expensive? I forget the Browning shotgun that can shoot like you know fifty bullets in five seconds. It's not about that. It's about God that He died for you and that you may have eternity with Him. The thing about heaven is not the New Jerusalem. It's Jesus. Was it Fanny Crosby who said, I will see my Savior first of all? That's what she wanted. That should be us. Why are you here? Well, I've done, no, you've not diddly done diddly. Now, you may have been served. You may have served the Lord. You may have done some good things for him. But for your salvation, you did nothing. Nothing. In my father's house. D.A. Carson says, the point is not the lavishness of each apartment, 
but the fact that such ample provision has been made that there is more than enough space for every one of Jesus' disciples to join him in his father's home. In my father's house, Peter, James, John, Thomas, Matthew. Not for you, Judas. I'm sorry, Judas. You, you, just, you just lost all that when you said that. Dwelling places. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now that is what we're waiting for. That's the new Jerusalem on the new earth. So now that we've, he's returned to glory, he's preparing a place. By the way, if you want a little bit more of your thinking, I don't want to get outside your thinking box, but I'm asking you to think. Think clearly. Did he not promise in 1 Thessalonians that they were looking for the rapture? Were they not looking for the rapture in 1 Thessalonians? That means, doesn't mean the heaven's already ready by that point. Just asking. If they could go to heaven and the rapture and back in the first century A.D., was not God already having heaven ready for the people? Yes. Just something to think about. My father's house. And that's the beauty of it. It's, it, it's, it's my father's house. What do you think of when you think of your home? I thought, and the one, one commentator said, a home is such a warm place. We had in our little home, and by the way, the ward washed out for my parents. I may have told you before, but we moved there in 1964, and they charged us $35 for our entire house to rent. $35. When they left in 1986, what the rent was still $35. $35 a month in 1986 for an entire house. When we moved there, for whoever built the house, they must have needed, in the kitchen counter, there was a, they put a, re, a radio, register radio just like this one right here, and so they put a little cubby hole, and it's just big enough to put a little stool in. In the mornings when it's cold, as my dad made a pancake, he made one pancake for you. It was an entire skillet size. Like, it was really like almost 12 inches in diameter. It got one pancake. I would sit in that. I can't imagine they had to, they had to try to spoon me out of the fork. Get me out of there now. But I'd sit in a cubby hole and wait because the heat was on. Because it was so cold upstairs. You could see your breath upstairs because we were, we were running on fuel oil. My mom and dad, we, we, ran, on the, we ran a very tight ship in the 1960s. And so I'd sit there and get warm as the first come on. Then i eat my pancake and get ready to go to school, etc. Those are the kind in my father's house, in my father's home. Can you not wait till we get there and talk about, well, let me tell you how God saved me or, or, or just what God did for me how he provided for this. James Gray put it beautifully in his song. He said these words, Who could mind the journey when the road leads home? Who can mind the journey when the road leads home and sent to me this week? God never said that the journey would be easy, but he did say that the arrival would be worthwhile. The arrival is going to be worthwhile. It will be worth it all when we see. That might have been Fanny Crosby too. I'm not sure. You know, if heaven were some kind of strange, unfamiliar, uh, way out twilight zone thing, bizarre locale, God would have told us, but Jesus didn't. I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'd go to prepare a place for you. And by the way, in the hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1-2, God is not lying to us. There is a place prepared for those who know Him as personal Savior. 
Heaven's a place where God dwells and where Jesus sits today at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us is described as a kingdom or an inheritance or a country or a city. I really like home and my Father's house where we're going to be. Paul was caught up in 2 Corinthians 12, 2 and 3. Remember, he's caught up the same time he really didn't know whether he was in the body or out of the body, so it's a tangible thing. He might have been in the body, a tangible thing, or he might have been out of the body, a dimensional, spiritual, extraterrestrial thing, but, it did not, but he was not frightened either way. It was so wonderfully attractive to him. Far better. Matter of fact, Paul said, if you were to ask Paul, if you were preaching in that era, what do you want to do? Well, I, tell you what, I want to go to heaven. That's better for you if I stay. If I have to die, that's second. I'm back on the rapture. Second, if I have to have my head chopped off. If I have to, thirdly, I remember Mr. Lauderdale saying this in Sunday school a few weeks ago, I'll stay here, but I'd rather go in the rapture or have my head chopped off or something and be with him in glory, which is far better. It wasn't like, oh, I saw these monsters up there when I was in heaven, and I'm just afraid to go up there because I don't know. It wasn't that at all. So wonderful, he could hardly even put it into words. I go to prepare a place for you. Now again, sometimes in our human limitations, we reason things out. We make some kind of spiritual thing out of this where we say, well, Jesus having finished his work, he's gone up to heaven, and he's been like with with. With, uh, with all these blueprints all this time and he's he's picking out and he's making my mansion just as I want with a big piano room and he's making yours Tim with a, 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 a place for the cats to be over there far on the far end over there where you don't have to see them ever again he's making all this that's so my imagination he's gone to prepare a place for us the result of his death burial and resurrection and ascension is that enough for you He's going to prepare a place for us. If it's a tent or a cottage or whatever, it's a room beside, you know, I know, you know, don't think about it, but we might be next door. Oh, <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he's on the, have you ever said this? I hope that person, I know they're going to be on the far side of heaven for me. Oh, come on now. There are Christians that you have met in your lifetime that you're really hoping that they are not next door to you because, but by that point in time, we'll all be changed. We'll all be changed and and you'll like that person and you'll actually like me in heaven perhaps by that point in time because you'll be changed and I'll be changed and I'll be you'll be able to stand me by then he's prepared a place for us he'll be there see that should be it do oh, you understand how people in our world today uh, they have got this heaven idea so far from what it really is heaven is is about Jesus and worshiping him and serving him for eternity. That's what's heaven about. This idea that we're going to be some kind of uh, go into the cosmic whatever it is, if you're a Brahmin, if you believe in Hinduism, etc. That's so contrary to the clear teaching of God's word. There's but one heaven, God's home. I just, I just, if we could just, as a world, could grasp the truth of his word. But when you let, when you jettison his word from your life and nation, it's just downhill from there. Finally, not only discouragement considered, deity claimed, dwelling clarified, destination consummated in verse 3. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. This if is not like, well, heaven's in doubt and, 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 and that, that it's, that there's other options in life. No, he's coming back for us. Matter of fact, in Acts chapter 1, verse 11, this same Jesus 
9 through 11, that you've seen God, he's coming back. He is not sending the angels or the archangels or some kind of messenger or some kind of arch. He's coming back for us. He's coming in the air. The archangel shall blow his trumpet. The dead in Christ shall rise, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's the comfort we find. He's promised to come. We're going to be changed. This same Jesus. Paul calls a blessed hope. This hope is not, well, you know, I really hope that, I really hope, by the way, the beans aren't burnt when we get home. I really hope that. That's not the hope. This is a confident assurance, a blessed hope. I will come again. He's gone to prepare a place. And the picture of here in the Greek language is a forerunner. Someone who's gone on before. He has gone on before to prepare a place for us. In the, at the, in the harbor of Alexandria in Bible times, a very difficult approach. And so these huge corn ships, we would call them probably small in our era, but these corn ships would come in and they'd send a little boat out with the harbor master in it. And he would lead these ships through all the rocky shoals and into the spot. He was the forerunner. The Roman army had the prodomi, which were reconnaissance troops that went ahead of the main body and they blazed the trail before the main body got it. They were the forerunners. Christ is our forerunner. He's already paid the price. He's been raised from the dead and he's the father's right hand. He's preparing a place for us. He's marked the path. Benjamin Disraeli lived from 1804 to 1881. He was the only Jewish descendant to ever be Prime Minister of England. He was a member of the British House of Commons. He was elected to the Parliament, but he, was, he dressed what was called foppishly and rather eccentric Jewish in nature. So the first time he got up to speak in the Parliament, they booed and ridiculed him so loud he had to sit down. And he said these words, I'll sit down now, but you will hear from me again. And he went on to lead them into probably the greatest pinnacle of the times of the, of the 18th century, 19th century, of Britain's greatness. He started the modern conservative party in England. In our context, in John 14, they've had, the, they've had washed their feet. Judas has left. He's going to be crucified. It's the day of his rejection. It's the day of his betrayal. Peter's going to deny him. The Jews are going to mock him. The world is going to crucify him. This is that day. I'm going, I'm going to leave. And I'm going to sit down at my father's right hand. But I'm coming back. You will hear from me again. And he's going to come back at any moment. It's, it's hanging over our heads, if you want. The rapture of the church is imminent at any moment. God throughout the course of time has used so many vessels, prophets, angels, judges, animals, pillars of fire, clouds, just common everyday folk to relay his message. Not so when he comes for his church. He is going to come for us. I will come again. An old Chinese proverb says, to know the road ahead, ask those coming back. I would say to you this morning, let us believe in the one who's already gone on ahead and let us go to be with him. He said he's coming back. We've got his word. We don't have to ask anymore. I have gone to prepare and I am coming for you. Unbeliever this morning, if you do not know Christ, I would urge you to come to know him as Savior. If you're a carnal believer, what does that mean, a carnal Christian? It means you're just 
on the peripheral. You maybe have one leg in the world and one leg or foot in, the, in, in Christianity and you're trying to walk between them. You are a nominal Christian. You care not much for the church. You might blow off the dust off your Bible once a week and come to church, but that's all it means to you. I'm telling you, you need to get serious about your walk with Christ. There's going to be a many people who are on this minimal uh, Christianity mindset and they truly aren't born again. And they're going to wake up in a crisis eternity because they were just sort of playing games with it. You need to make sure, and striving believer, it is always too soon to give up. He is coming back, and he's going to prepare a place. And whatever size your house is, it's going to be in our Father's house. And that will be glory for me. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful for your word. How it encourages and challenges our heart. You've gone to prepare a place for us. And just as I imagine the disciples were encouraged by those words, we too in 2022 are encouraged that you're coming again to receive us unto yourself. Lord, I pray this morning, if there even be one person that has not yet received you as their very own personal Lord and Savior, it's a, a repentance, it's, it's faith. It's acknowledging that they have sinned and are sinners and, and asking you to forgive them of that sin and to be their Savior. They've never done that, but they do it today. And Lord, if we've sort of waffled on our Christian walk, we're just sort of, sort of skating along and not really striving. May we confess that sin. May we get into your word and pray and be active believers for you. And Lord, we who are striving, I want to put myself in the striving category, to walk with you. May we be faithful. Teach us. Grow us. May we be ambassadors for you this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.